Our Old Testament reading this morning is from the book of Exodus, chapter 25, verses 10 through 22. And we are in the section of Exodus here where um, God has brought the people of uh, family of Israel out of um, slavery in Egypt, and he has brought them to Mount Sinai, and he is saying to them, I will be your God, you will be my people, and he's showing them how uh, to live as his people and uh, what to do so that he will be able, as a holy God, to live in the midst of a sinful people. And so he gives them very specific instructions about uh, this tent that they are to set up in the middle of their camp, this tabernacle. And uh, he goes into very specific details as to what everything is to be like. And we're going to read a part of that today, uh, specifically about an ark or a box that is going to be made and is a very special box. Before we read, let's pray. Heavenly Father, we do thank you again for this day that you have made. And God, we thank you for your word which you have given to us. And Lord, this morning we uh, ask that you would help us as we hear your word read and proclaimed to be those who have ears to hear, to be those who have minds to think, Lord, most importantly, to have uh, to be those who have hearts that are ready to be changed by your word and by your spirit, that we would be made evermore, even today, into the people that you have made us to be in relationship with you through Jesus. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. <laughs> Exodus chapter 25, uh, verses 10 through 22. Says, uh, the Lord saying to Moses, Have them make an ark of acacia wood. <clears throat> Excuse me. Two and a half cubits long a cubit and a half wide and a cubit and a half high. Overlay it with pure gold, both inside and out, and make a gold molding around it. Cast four gold rings for it and fasten to its four feet, and fasten them to its four feet with two rings on one side and two rings on the other. Then make poles of acacia wood and overlay them with gold. Insert the poles into the rings on the sides of the ark to carry it. The poles are to remain in the rings of this ark. They are not to be removed. Then put in the ark the tablets of the covenant law, which I will give you. Make an atonement cover of pure gold, two and a half cubits long and a cubit and a half wide, and make two cherubim out of hammered gold at the ends of the cover. Make one cherub on one end and the second cherub on the other. Make the cherubim of one piece with the cover at the two ends. The cherubim are to have their wings spread upward, overshadowing the cover with them. The cherubim are to face each other, looking toward the cover. Place the cover on top of the ark and put in the ark the tablets of the covenant law that I will give you. There, above the cover, between the two cherubim, that are over the ark of the covenant law, I will meet with you and give you all my commands for the Israelites. Turning then to our gospel reading from Luke chapter 6, verses 27 through 36. Um, I always love the way that Jesus opens this part of his teaching where he actually says, but to you who are listening, I say, as though there are people who are hearing, but not listening. And so he says, but to you who are listening, I say, love your enemies, do good to those who hate you, bless those who curse you, pray for those who mistreat you. If someone slaps you on one cheek, turn to them the other also. If someone takes your coat, do not withhold your shirt from them. Give to everyone who asks you, and if anyone takes what belongs to you, do not demand it back. Do to others as you would have them do to you. 
If you love those who love you, what credit is that to you? Even sinners love those who love them. And if you do good to those who are good to you, what credit is that to you? Even sinners do that. And if you lend to those from whom you expect repayment, what credit is that to you? Even sinners lend to sinners expecting to be repaid in full. But love your enemies, do good to them, and lend to them without expecting to get anything back. Then your reward will be great, and you will be children of the Most High, because he is kind to the ungrateful and wicked. Be merciful, just as your Father is merciful. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Well, this morning, we are continuing our sermon series in uh, the book of 1 Corinthians. And as we have talked about, this is Paul writing a letter to a church in Corinth. And it is a group of people who are wanting to follow Jesus together. And yet, they're in a culture that is not wanting to follow Jesus at all. And uh, unfortunately, this, uh, this church, this group of people who are trying to follow Jesus together, uh, keep being influenced by the culture and start, and they, in some ways, are looking more like the culture than they are like Jesus. And, um, and so they have written to Paul, and he is now writing them back and, um, and talking about what things they brought up and maybe some other issues as well. So in chapter 7, he actually started that section by saying, now for the matters you wrote about. So maybe everything before that is kind of like, hey, this is just uh, getting some foundation laid. Now it's time to get into the, the heart of the matter. And so it's now for the matters you wrote about. And then he talks about sexual immorality. He talks about um, food sacrificed to idols, an issue they would have really been dealing with. He talks about the rights that he has and uh, how freedom is to be used. He talks about um, worship and how they are to uh, glorify God in their gatherings together and what that's to look like. He talks about the Lord's Supper. This is what we looked at last week and how they were actually participating in the Lord's Supper in such a way that he said, that's not even the Lord's Supper anymore. You're using the Lord's Supper, which is about uniting people, communion in Christ. And you're using that to divide each other and continue to put up the same kinds of divisions that there are in the culture at large. Like, that's not the Lord's Supper anymore. And so there have, he's been taking these issues one at a time, and now he gets to another one. And this one, we're going to spend uh, quite a bit of time on, um, not necessarily this morning, but over the next several weeks, as he talks about this for several chapters. And this is the issue of spiritual gifts. Now, I mentioned that we're going to talk about it for weeks because as we get into this, you may have questions that we don't talk about at all today. That's okay. We're not going to get into all of it today. Um, but there are, uh, it's a significant topic, uh, and this is, it is certainly one that was applicable then and now. However, I think the problem that he was addressing then is often the same problem we have with it now. And here's part of what I mean by that. When we talk about spiritual gifts, 
uh, one of the first things that we tend to do on this topic is run to thinking about particular gifts. Am I right? When I mentioned spiritual gifts, did you immediately start thinking about a particular spiritual gift? One or another of those? Here's what's crazy. As Paul writes about this, particularly in this section, the focus is not on the gifts. He mentions a lot of them. He gives a list of them. But the focus isn't on the gifts. How weird is that? We tend to get this wrong. I think they tended to get it wrong. And in fact, um, in chapter 11, when he was talking about the Lord's Supper, in verse 19, he says, uh, well, verse 18, 19, uh, it says, I heard that when you come together as a church, there are divisions among you, and to some extent, I believe it. No doubt there have to be differences among you to show which of you have God's approval. Do you hear the sarcasm? Oh, yeah, no doubt there have to be differences among you so that you'll be able to tell which of you has God's approval. As though within the church, they're trying to have the, uh, the hierarchy set up of, well, it's, it's the same thing with kids. Mom loves me best, right? I don't, any of you who remember the Smothers Brothers, you can just play that in your head for a bit. But anyway, um, but it's always that who, uh, who really is God's favored, that then that will allow me, as God's favored, to look down on those who are not as favored. And when talking about the uh, Lord's Supper, Paul's like, that's garbage. Don't be thinking like that. That's world categories. That's not Christian categories. Now he gets into spiritual gifts. Guess what? <laughs> it's going to be a similar kind of thing. And I think that that verse helps us understand the context he's writing this uh, into as you have a people who, though they're supposed to be united in Christ, keep dividing in every which way possible. We saw in chapters, uh, chapter one and, and through four, the early chapters of this letter, how people were dividing because, oh, well, I follow Paul. Well, I follow Apollos. And it, like, they have these different leaders that they're following. It's like, well, if we're following this guy instead of that guy, that puts us in different camps. And Paul's like, stop it. <laughs> We're not supposed to be in different camps. We're supposed to be united in Christ. That's what this whole thing's about. And as we keep going, we keep seeing that same kind of uh, that same kind of conversation. And now we get to gifts. And you can almost imagine that they have written a letter and they said, "Hey, um, can you just tell us which of the gifts are like the good ones and like the the better ones to have? Because I think I'm pretty sure that I've got those." and that there are some other people who don't, and I just want them to know from you. I want them to hear it from you that I'm better than they are. That's all. That's what I want. They probably didn't put it in those terms. But maybe he was reading between the lines and got exactly that kind of message from it. And so he says, this is where we'll just read straight through and then talk about it. This is uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 1 through 11. It is now about the gifts of the Spirit, brothers and sisters. I do not want you to be uninformed. You know that when you were pagans, somehow or other, you were influenced and led astray to mute idols. Therefore, I want you to know that no one who is speaking by the Spirit of God says Jesus be cursed. And no one can say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. There are different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit distributes them. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working, but in all of them and in everyone, it is the same God at work. Now, to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. To one, 
there is given through the Spirit a message of wisdom. To another, a message of knowledge by means of the same Spirit. To another, faith by the same Spirit. To another, gifts of healing by that one Spirit. To another, miraculous powers. To another, prophecy. To another, distinguishing between spirits. To another, speaking in different kinds of tongues. And to still another, the interpretation of tongues. All these are the work of one and the same Spirit, and he distributes them to each one just as he determines. Did you hear it? Is this focus on the gifts? Is this focus on which gift is better than which other gift? Is his focus on which person is better than another person based on which gift they get? No, none of that. That's where our focus tends to go. But instead, where he's saying, it all goes back to the Spirit of God. This is, if you look at uh, chapter or verses 2 and 3, and he has this, uh, when you were pagans, you were led astray. But now, you should be led by the Holy Spirit. That's what he's saying here. And uh, he says, I want you to know that no one who is speaking by the Spirit of God says, Jesus, be cursed, and no one can say, Jesus is Lord, except by the Holy Spirit. Now, does he mean that no one can say the words, Jesus is Lord, unless the Holy Spirit allows it or enables it? No, anybody can say those words. What does he mean? Nobody can say those words and mean those words, right? Similarly, uh, if you think about um, think about the Lord's Prayer, right? Can everybody say those words? Yeah. Anybody could say those words. You could teach a parrot to say those words. Probably, I couldn't, but you might be able to. Saying the words, though, is very different than actually praying that prayer. Who can actually pray that prayer? Only Christians can pray that prayer, right? And this is, um, this is the same kind of thing. No one can say, Jesus is Lord, except by the Holy Spirit. You remember in um, Matthew... Uh, 16. This is when, um, when Jesus asks his disciples, he says, who do people say that the son of man is? They replied, some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah and still others, Jeremiah or one of the prophets. Well, what about you? He asked, who do you say I am? Simon Peter answered, you are the Messiah, the son of the living God. Jesus replied, Blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by flesh and blood, but by my Father in heaven. You hear this? He gets the right answer, and Jesus is not like, Well done, you figured it out, you're the smartest guy here. No. This was revealed to you by my Father in heaven. In, uh, in John uh, chapter 14, and following. Jesus talks a lot about the Holy Spirit coming into the lives of his followers. And he says, if you love me, keep my commands and I will ask the Father and he will give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever, the Spirit of truth. He continues, um, this all this I have spoken while still with you, but the Advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I have said to you. Again, later in chapter 15, 
When the advocate comes, whom I will send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth who goes out from the Father, he will testify about me. And you also must testify, for you have been with me from the beginning. Jesus has promised to give uh, the Holy Spirit into the lives of his believers. We see this uh, really powerfully in Acts chapter 2, after Jesus has been raised from the dead, and then he goes around for 40 days uh, teaching his disciples about the kingdom of God. And at the end of that time, in chapter 1, uh, just before he leaves, he says, he tells them to stay in Jerusalem and uh, says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And in this section, we tend again to focus on the wrong things. We hear that, oh, you'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And so we focus on the power or we focus on the geography and go, well, it's Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And so there's this widening out. And so we think power and expansion. And we think about that sometimes in worldly terms. But if you remember, that's not actually what Jesus is talking about here. He says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and at the ends of the earth. Here's one of the crazy things that we start noticing as you start looking for it. It's there all over the place. When the Holy Spirit of God shows up in an individual's life or in a community, what happens is people are pointed to Jesus. John the Baptist it says he received the Holy Spirit while he was still in his mother's womb. And you know what he also did while he was still in his mother's womb? Pointed people to Jesus. How weird is that? <laughs> Go back and look in uh, early in Luke, I believe that is. And Mary comes uh, to Elizabeth, John the Baptist's mom, and John the Baptist is jumping the thing. We see this over and over again. When the Holy Spirit comes into someone's life, they're pointing people to Jesus. Does it always look the same? No. But this is what we see in that Acts 1, uh, 8, when Jesus says, you're going to be my witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. This is what's going to go on. That yes, you're going to receive power to be my witness. In fact, it's because of that that they're supposed to stay in Jerusalem until they receive the Holy Spirit. Because here's the thing. The gifts are not given to make us great people. The gifts are given for a purpose. And so I think a better way to think about it is not um, what gift do I have and what does that mean for me? I think better way of looking at it is what has God called me to do and how has he gifted me to do that? Because the gifts are always for a purpose. They're always to be used. And so this is the same thing. The disciples have been told they're going to go out and they're going to be spreading the news of Jesus to the whole world, but not yet. Don't go do that on your own. But once the Holy Spirit comes into life, now they're able to do that. This is the um, what the gifts are for, is enabling the work that they have to do. And so uh, when we go back to First uh, Corinthians chapter 12, this again, 4 through 6, listen carefully to what's different and what's the same in these two verses, or three verses. Is there different 
kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit distributes them. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working, but in all of them and in everyone, it is the same God at work. Did you hear it? What's different? There's different kinds of gifts, service, and working. All goes together, doesn't it? But it looks different. What's the same? The same Spirit, Lord, and God. That's the same. If you have kind of Trinity alarm bells going off in your head, that's good. That unity in diversity that we see in God himself. But it's the same uh, God who is giving these uh, gifts that are different kinds. So it looks different. And we see that same thing when we go, you know, verses 8 through 11. So one, there's a given through the Spirit, a message of wisdom, another message of knowledge by means of the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, to another gifts of healing by the one Spirit, to another miraculous powers, to another prophecy, to another distinguishing between spirits, to another speaking in different kinds of tongues, and still, to still another the interpretation of tongues. All these are the work of one and the same Spirit. And he distributes them to each one just as he determines. Who determines which gifts we get? Not us. He determines. He gives it. Which means, again, we can't boast in it. Oh, well, I've got this gift and you only have that other one. No. no. He gives it and he gives it for uh, a purpose. And this is where I want to make sure that we're also clear on, um, on something that this message can sometimes sound, you know, this unity and diversity kind of thing or the, whatever, the differences that we have uh, in the different gifts. Sometimes this can sound very much like the message we receive from uh, society at large, saying something along the lines of, everybody's different and that's okay. Or everybody's different and that's a good thing. We hear these messages a lot, right? Is that Paul's message? It's not inconsistent with his message. It fits with his message. But it only overlaps a little bit with it, really, because what he's saying is actually so much farther beyond that. It's uh, not just that we're different. And this is where the message from society kind of falls short. They, they say, we're, we're different. True. <laughs> but they miss why we're different. And that's what actually is Paul's focus. Why are we different? And so where, where his focus is, is the source of our difference and the purpose of our difference. The source of our difference is the same source. It's all from the same spirit. He hits that a lot in here. Same spirit, same source. It all comes from the same place. And the purpose. It's the same purpose, isn't it? Chapter 12, verse 7. Now to each one, the manifestation of the spirit is given for the common good. This manifestation of the spirit, this is the way he talks about the, the gifts that are given. It's actually the Holy Spirit showing up in your life. What does that look like in your life? 
And it's going to look different from person to person to person. But it's the same spirit and same purpose. And it's for the common good. This should not be surprising to us if we have paid attention to the rest of the Bible if we uh, pay attention to the gospel message itself, if we pay attention to the life of Jesus. For example, in Philippians chapter 2, Paul says, uh, Therefore, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from his love, if any common sharing in the Spirit, common sharing in the Spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and of one mind. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of the others. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus. And then he goes and explains how this is what Jesus did for us. It was for our good that he did what he did. Uh, And this is how the gifts are to be used, to point to Jesus and to serve each other. We already saw this earlier in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 23 and 24, talking about, oh, you say I have the right to do anything. Yeah, I have the right to do anything, you say, but not everything is beneficial. I have the right to do anything, but not everything is constructive. No one should seek their own good but the good of others. Think about this in terms of the people who might have been uh, trying to look down on others because of the gifts they have. Oh, well, I have the gift of... Pick one from the list. I have the, I have the gift of wisdom. I have the gift of faith. Or I have the gift of miraculous powers. Therefore, better than those guys over there, they don't have that. It's completely inconsistent, isn't it? Like this is um, the reason those gifts have been given is to serve everybody. In fact, this is what uh, Peter says. In 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 10 and 11. It says, Each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. If anyone speaks, they should do so as one who speaks the very word of God, words of God. If anyone serves, they should do it with the strength God provides, so that in all things God may be praised through Jesus Christ. To him be the glory and the power forever and ever. Amen. This is uh, what the purpose of the gifts are. Service to others, glory to God. That's very different than just a message that says we're different, and that's okay. But we are different for a reason. And so you can think about uh, the ways that this shows up uh, other places. Earlier in this uh, letter of 1 Corinthians, Paul gave the example when people were dividing over leaders. Oh, well, uh, I follow this leader, I follow that. And he's like, no, look, think about... uh, about somebody whose their job is planting and somebody else's job is watering. Are they doing the same thing? No. 
And yet, yes, <laughs> they are both doing what they have been given to do in order for the plant to grow. It takes both. And, um, and he says, this is in chapter 3, verses 5 and following. This what, after all, is Apollos and what is Paul? Only servants through whom you came to believe, as the Lord has assigned to each his task. I planted the seed, Apollos watered it, but God has been making it grow. So neither the one who plants nor the one who, is wa- who waters is anything, but only God who makes things grow. The one who plants and the one who waters have one purpose, and they will each be rewarded according to their own labor. For we are co-workers in God's service. You are God's field in God's building. Now going back to the gifts. Why does he give these different gifts to different people? Because they're different jobs. There are different jobs to do, but it's all one purpose. And so, you know, we think back. Uh, we have uh, the great commandment that's been given. We've got the great commission that's been given. Uh, and we have used ideas from those as we have uh, put together the mission statement of this particular church and what it is that we exist for. If it's been a while since you've seen that statement, it's on our website. Go look for it, fpcelderator.com. But it's, uh, we take the letters for the word first, F-I-R-S-T. So this is how we keep first things first here at First Presbyterian. And, um, and so it is that we exist to facilitate new relationships with Jesus. We exist to incline our hearts to the Lord. We exist to relate to one another in intimate community. We exist to stimulate one another to growth in discipleship. And we exist to tend to the needs of others in love. Those aren't all the same job. It takes all of us. And we've each been gifted differently. It is so easy to look at people who um, are serving the church in a way that you're not serving the church and to think, well, they should be doing it the way I'm doing it. And because they're not doing it the way I'm doing it, they're doing it wrong. Maybe. Put that out there. Maybe. However, also possible. They're serving differently because they've been gifted differently. And the things that to you seem to come more naturally, that you're more naturally inclined to as a way of serving, that may not be what they're inclined to. But the Spirit has gifted them to do things that, uh, that aren't for you. Let me tell you one example. I... I'm not gifted in cooking. <laughs> Others are. And I thank God for all of you. <laughs> and if I were to say, that's not really serving the church by cooking, what you should be doing is preaching. No. We've messed it all up. Instead, we should be celebrating that God has gifted us each differently, has given us different jobs to do, and then has empowered us by his spirit to do those jobs, to serve the whole body. I was really going to try to not use the word body this week because that comes next week. But, but that's what it's about, is serving the whole church. 
to each one, the manifestation is of the Spirit is given for the common good. There is a guy we talk about a lot in, uh, that Jesus tells about in Luke 18 who goes to the temple and thanks God that he's made him better than somebody else. And Jesus says that guy does not go home justified before God. The Corinthians were in danger of that same attitude. I want to thank God for the gifts that he gave me that makes me better than somebody else. And Paul says, no, no, no. The focus isn't the gifts. The focus is on uh, the source of the gifts and the purpose of the gifts. And if we remember that the source is God and the purpose is uh, to serve him and to serve others for the common good, then the relative importance of the gifts just fades away. And that's what we'll spend a lot of time talking about over the next several weeks. Uh, But for now, uh, remember the source, remember the purpose, and act, really act, in, uh, by his power and the gifting that he's given you to serve the church in the way that he has called you to serve. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Heavenly Father, we do thank you for this day that you have made. God, we thank you for the gifts that you have given uh, to your people. We ask that you'd help us to not be distracted by them, but empowered by them to serve you and to serve your people. God, that, uh, that people would know the love that you have for them, that you would use us to let them know of the way uh, that they are cared for, how they would know the good news of Jesus for them too. God, we thank you for calling all of us at this time, at this place, for the work that you have for us here and now. As Jesus once said, the harvest is great, but the workers are few. Lord, we thank you that you have called workers. I pray that you'd help us to be faithful to the calling that you've given us. And Lord, we pray all of this in the name of Jesus who taught us to pray, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen.